NBA TV is putting on four SWAT games for Black History Month. We have an HBCU All-Star Basketball game, the Classic for Columbus, and Jackson State has a new offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Today's word of the day is debilitating, meaning causing serious impairment of strength or ability to function. There we go. So that's the word of the day, and I will make sure that I hit that today. So I want to start off talking about the NBA TV expanding its coverage during Black History Month, and that expansion goes to the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And they're going to be putting on a couple of games, and this is in honor of Black History Month. They're going to be showcasing some HBCU games. All of them are from the SWAC, though, right? And it fixes my biggest problem that I had with other networks' coverage. So before we get into what the matchups are and everything and what my biggest problem was and how it fixes it, let's first lay out some some context within it because this kind of follows follows suit with a lot of networks. I think you're starting to see a lot more HBCU games on television and especially around February, it's okay, it's HBCUs, let's start, you know, let's showcase the black colleges, it's Black History Month and this is kind of the year of that, the, the year of exposure. That's what it feels like. And it's not really like 2022 or a calendar year. It just feels for about the last 365 days-ish, give or take. It's been a, a heavy emphasis on trying to make sure that we, we give exposure and shine a light on HBCU athletic events. And I appreciate the attention that it's getting. I really do. And I honestly, I don't care if it's a trend. I don't feel that people feel like they, they have to. That doesn't really matter to me because at the end of the day, what's really important is the, the action that we as, as HBCUs, whether that be the CIAA, the SEAC, uh, the MEAC, the, the SWAC, whatever that conference is, or if it's Howard going against Notre Dame and they did put on a phenomenal game, right? I don't care if you play if you play in the Big South, you play in the Ohio Valley Conference. I don't care if you, I don't care where it is. At the end of the day, when you get out there, just it's just about putting putting your best foot forward. So that's what's really important to me. So I was listening to a music podcast the other day, and it, it was an interview, and they were just talking about how your first deal always sucks. The first deal is always trash. And that may be this. It may be people just putting on a front and wanting to act like they care. I understand that some people are doing that. But at the end of the day, that acting like they care or feeling like they had to do it has put these these teams on television. So now that they're there, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit there and we just going to be like, whatever, it don't matter. No, we're going to put our best foot forward. We're going to ball out and we're going to have a phenomenal game on television every time. 
because at the end of the day, that's what we need. It increases the chances of this continuously happening and not just being a one-off and not just being a show of, see, we cared. I don't want it to be a cared. I want it to be a care. No D on the end, right? So I think that's what it is. And you look at this as a jump-off point, at least if you mean. You look at this as a jump-off point, and I've said that before. I think the hope is that if the games are good enough and people start really getting down for the cause, these showcases don't need to happen in February. You don't have to say, okay, this is a black college, so let's do a near Black History Month. Let's just showcase HBCUs in January. Let's showcase HBCUs in March. It don't need to just be Black History Month in tournament time. Those don't need to be the only times that HBCUs are on TV. So I think that this is a great step forward to getting what it is, you know. And you look at it, ESPN is showing MEAC and SWAT games through mid-January all the way throughout through February. I'm just happy for the attention. I think I've explained why. So now let's talk about the games that are going to be on. And it's a heavy dosage of the best HBCU in the land. If y'all not familiar, that is Texas Southern, the TSU. There's two matchups for games. It's TSU versus FAMU on the 5th of February. Then TSU a week later. On a, they're both on Saturdays. Get to go home, and they'll be, they'll be hosting Grambling in that game. So off the rip, you see Texas Southern is a part of both matchups. Now, on one hand, that does mean that NBA TV has really good taste. On one hand there, so I, I applaud you for that, having good taste. But on the other hand, I think a, a, a large reason that you see Texas Southern having both of these games is because as far as SWAC basketball goes, I think they have a, a huge name recognition, maybe the top of them the same way, not the same way, but a very similar way that Jackson State has the biggest name recognition in SWAC football right now. A lot of that has to do with the coaching as far as apart from, you know, just the legacy. But when you look at Texas Southern, they knocked off Florida in historic in a historic victory earlier this season. Last season, they were the SWAC representative as far as the NCAA tournament goes. So I think on a national scale, SWAC basketball right now, the biggest name in it might be Texas Southern. So I think that's why you would see that. But I'm not going to sit here and you know, be a hypocrite or act like just because that's my alma mater that that this isn't going against something that I did ask for them to not do, and that is not showcasing all of the teams in the conference. Un understandably, you only have two games, so it's a limit on how many teams you can actually expose and showcase. But I would have liked four different teams, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to harp on that, A, because that's my alma mater, and I'm happy to see them on television two times, but then also – because they did fix my biggest gripe, and my biggest gripe was the fact that ESPN didn't give, didn't, didn't give a crap, excuse me, didn't care at all about the women. They didn't showcase the women's teams, you know? So it was all men's action, and that's it. When I said two matchups, four games, that's because the men's and the women's play right after each other, right? So it's women's, and then it's the men's games. So I love the fact that with the NBA TV coverage, they are blocking out programming for five hours or whatever, however, however long it's going to take, four or five hours to showcase the women as well because HBCU basketball isn't just men. 
And honestly, I just felt like these ladies deserved that opportunity. So I'm excited for that. I wish that some other networks would do it as well. And this isn't a shot. I just wish they would do it. You know, it's not a, I'm not saying names. No, I just wish that they would do it so that we could see these women as well because they deserve to be showcased just as well. So we're going to see the Lady Tigers of Texas Southern and Grambling. And then also we're going to see the Lady Rattlers. And that just makes me really happy to understand that NBA TV is going to showcase both the men's and the women's team. So I can definitely have a smile on my face. That action starts on the 5th, and then the next week you will be seeing the best Texas Southern, excuse me, the best HBCU in the land, Texas Southern, once again on NBA TV on the 12th. So TSU versus FAMU, then you have TSU versus Grambling. And then going forward, I want to talk about an HBCU all-star game, the Classic for Columbus. I'm very excited to break down exactly what this event is and everything going on around the game. But first, I want to tell you about my guys at NetSuite because this is it, the putt to win the championship. You sink it, and it's yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system to power growth. You have visibility and control, of financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more all in one place. It makes everything so easy to know I can go to NetSuite and take care of all of my business. It's everything you need to grow in one place. So NetSuite can automate your processes and close your book in no time. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and for the new year, NetSuite is offering a new financing program for those who are ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com locked. Head to NetSuite.com locked. For the special one-of-a-kind financing offer for the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash lot. Alright, and we're still rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day and i want to talk about an hbcu all-star basketball game and it's something that i think is really cool you know i think this is really a dope event and it's called the classic for columbus and as with all hbcu events you know whether that's a national event or if it's an event right on your campus you guys know this it ain't just the game it's everything around the game you know, it's 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 really a week-long event. It wouldn't be right if on a national scale it was just a game and you move on. It just would not be right. So this is the main attraction, both for the int- attendees and also for the show. So attendees are coming for the game. Y'all are on this podcast for the athletic side of it. So as with the event itself on this show, we are going to make the game the main attraction, and we're going to discuss it first, but then we are going to talk about just those extra events attached to it that make it a spectacle. Everything's a spectacle. So I want to talk about the game, and this game is called the Classic for Columbus, but the name might suggest to you that it's an Ohio-only thing. Columbus, Ohio, that's where it is, right? I don't know if there's any other Columbuses. I think that's the biggest Columbus, and that's Columbus, Ohio. So it may suggest to you that Nah, this is just for people from Ohio. Well, if this was for Ohio, you know, HBCUs, this would be extremely slim pickings because it ain't that many of them. 
you know, it's just Central State. So it's really not a lot of HBCUs in, in Ohio. So it's not that. It's just that's where it's being hosted. And there's some Ohio ties in it. This is for all HBCU seniors. It's for seniors. But for all HBCU seniors around the country who play basketball. They had a classic for Columbus in football. It happened earlier. Or I guess not earlier this year, man. It's 2022 now. <laughs> well, it happened last year, later last year, um, in August. It was a football game. So it definitely felt weird not to call that earlier this year. I don't know if because I'm talking about school or what. I did write 2021 on, my, on, a, on a paper of mine not too long ago. But we, what, 19 days, 20 days close to that? Somewhere around there. Days in on, on 2022. It's, it's about time I let 2021 go. Uh, but neither here nor there. Let's talk about this game. It's HBCU players from all over the country coming together. It's kind of a H, it, it is an HBCU All-Star. It's the best of HBCU basketball around the country. Now here's where the classic four Columbus come, comes from. And that's the team that they'll be facing because it's not HBCU on HBCU talent is HBCU's All-Stars versus Ohio's All-Stars. So it's the best HBCU players from around the country and the best basketball players from the state of Ohio college-wise. So I love it. I really do love it because with this being the case, it's, it's not an HBCU on HBCU thing. A, that takes away the whole criticism of quality of, of players. For the, whatever. That's going. I mean, you, you won't have a bunch of big schools. You probably won't be just a bunch of Ohio State players and whatnot. But you will have competition that I think a lot of people will consider higher than SWAC and MEAC. So that's definitely cool, number one. And then secondly, it'll bring so many different people in because you're going to have people who are only there to see the Ohio guys. Then you're going to have people there who are only there to see the HBCU guys. And I love it because, in a way, you're going against the best players from Ohio in the middle of Ohio. It kind of gives an away game feeling. So you will have people who are rooting against you. And I, that's just that's cool to me because in most All-Star games, it's kind of buddy-buddy. We don't really pick a side. No, they're sides. you either rocking with the HBCUs or you're rocking with Ohio. And not on some, like, divisive stuff it's just a game it's just a game you know either you rocking with texas southern or you rocking with fam you it's, it's something like that this, that's what we were talking about in the last segment so i really love this game and everything that goes with it you're gonna have fashion shows you're gonna have a comedy slam so you're gonna have joe tory's comedy slam where it's gonna be a bunch of rising comedians who are gonna be competing so I would love to go to that because I do want to see some comedians who are trying to break into things. So I think that's definitely dope. And then also one of the bigger things that you're going to be looking forward to as opposed to well, actually one more thing, actually, before we get into that, they are going to be screening the, the women of Troy movie. So I think that's going to be really cool. But one thing that I think is probably the biggest event, and that's the celebrity basketball game. One coach is Vivica A. Fox and the other is that girl, Lele. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I have no clue who that girl Lele is. I don't. I do not. However, I was scrolling through probably Netflix or Hulu or whatever, um, and I stumbled across her show. I didn't click it. It was it's, That girl Lele is a, is a child. 
she does a Nickelodeon show. I don't, for those who don't know, I, I happened to see her and in reading the article about it, I knew I knew who she was. But I happened to see her show literally today. And I just thought it was so cool that I had never heard of that girl Lele before this. I just hadn't. But I think that Nickelodeon presence really will bring a, a large shine onto the event because you look at what the Nickelodeon presence had with the NFL, who completely does not need a booster. But that Nickelodeon presence brings a whole new demographic in because there's going to be people who are interested in that girl Lele that are just going to watch. And that's a whole younger demographic than the people who are there for Vivica A. Fox. It's just it's just different. It's the old school versus the new school type of thing. So you might even pull in some kids who are interested to watch just because, oh, that girl Lele's there? Let's check out this event now. And it's really that simple. I think it's really cool. I love the idea of HBCUs versus Ohio players. And I love the idea of that girl Lele, that Nickelodeon presence, just being a part of the event as well. And, the, and I ain't gonna lie to you. If I had to pick one event that wasn't the celebrity basketball game or the actual basketball game, it would probably be Joe Torrey's Comedy Slam because I'm a guy who likes to laugh. And I think that would be a ball, an absolute blast to go to. And another thing that's going to be a blast is hopefully Jackson State's season coming up because they have a new offensive coordinator. So we're gonna talk about his credentials and what he brings to the Jackson State offense. But first, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online, who is wishing you a happy betting new year. Continue to make the playoff special for yourselves. Make the NBA season, because that's going to be going on even longer, special for yourself. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports, uh, sports wagering in 2022. It's a new year. That means that you have to have a new desktop, right? New year, new me, new year, new desktop website. Same difference. Or you can just go to the mobile website because you might be listening on your phone right now. But make sure you sign up today and use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Using that promo code LOCKEDON, you can do football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC. There's big events every Saturday with UFC, it feels like now. Or if you just want to play your favorite Vegas casino games, that's fine. Just don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available in 2022. Because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. families we're wrapping up today's episode of locked on hbcu i want to talk about the new additions that jackson state is making because i understand that travis hunter will be the face of jackson state's offseason i get that and he deserves to be i mean when you pull in the number one recruit in the nation especially as an hbcu that deserves to be the number one thing that you talk about that deserves to be the thing that goes around and is the face of your offseason However, he might be the face, but he's not the story of it because the story of their offseason is truthfully the fact that they have been doing a lot to try to remodel that offense, whether that's the addition of Kevin Coleman, Kevion Mullins, Jasper Freese. You have two weapons and an offensive lineman. This is the story, and now you've brought in Brett Bartoloni, my guy, Coach Barty. And when you're looking at it, when you're looking at where he came from last, his last OC position, 
was in Carleton College in Minnesota. That wasn't the last place that they got him from, but the position that he's going to be working with them as is as an offensive coordinator, and that was the last place that he actually was an OC. Where they got him from was actually from the University of Nevada, and I think that this is important because he was an offensive analyst, so it's not like he was the one calling the plays, but he was around, and I love that that Jackson State is doing everything that they can to try to bolster the offense because I wouldn't say it was like a debilitating issue for them or anything. However, it did come to bite them in the butt at the worst time. The only reason I say it wasn't debilitating is because they were still able to win the swag with it. So it wasn't like one of those things where they just could not function. I just think that it was one of those things that it did hinder them. It did hinder them a little bit. Just the offense starting slow. And that could have been for any kind of reason. But I do believe that when you look at the change in offensive coordinator, it paints what at least Deion Sanders thinks might have been an issue. Not the issue, but an issue that needed to be fixed. And that was just who's going to be your offensive coordinator. And now you got it. Coach Barty, man. It's going to be Coach Barty. And what happened at Nevada? What happened at Nevada, excuse me? Um, when he was at Nevada, that offense was the fourth-ranked passing offense in the FBS. So in the country, they were the number one D or the number four D1 passing offense, and they put up about 37 points a game. Okay, yes, they had Carson Strong, a guy who I'm seeing really rise up the draft boards. And it's somebody I, I really need to put my eye on a little bit more. But as a whole... Carson Strong was a really good quarterback. And I don't think that, especially at the collegiate level, that you should knock people having talent because those those talents need refinement. It's not like this dude is a is a 15-year veteran quarterback and you just happen to luck up and get him and now he's made your offense look great. No, you needed to refine that guy. So there is a little bit of coaching, probably a good amount of coaching that goes into that. Maybe not so much on... Barty's point but or Barty's side of it because he was just an offensive analysis analyst excuse me so it might not be as much development that he had to do however he was definitely a part of that because this year strong went for 4.1k completing 70 percent of his passes and had a 36 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio that's over four interception or four touchdowns for every interception and the reason I, I mentioned those statistics, not just to showcase what kind of year that he had, because it was a great year. Like I said, he's rising up draft boards. I'm starting to see him creep in the top 32s as far as power rankings go. And here's the thing, though. I think it kind of lines up with what Shadur is. Shadur is a very Shadur is a very efficient quarterback. 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions, nearly that's four and a half, basically four and a half touchdowns for every interception. You'll deal with that. You will love that. 4.1 yards, but having 70% completion percentage, you'll do that. I think that's exactly what Shador is probably looking for as a next step. Um, Barty might not have been the architect of that offense, but he was had he had a front row seat for who was running it. And we've seen situations where being the offensive analyst or being the guy next to the guy didn't work but if you pay attention and I think if you take notes 
it does give you a chance to succeed. Watching success doesn't always breed success, I'll be completely honest, but it does give you a leg up. It does give you a spot to start in. And I think that's what you see Barty have in, in a good world. You know, if Barty took notes, this bodes well for Jackson State, especially with all the weapons that they have. That air raid offense where you can put four or five receivers on the field at once, it's definitely going to require more of Shador. You're going to have to have more command of just understanding your block responsibilities and understanding how everybody is because the more you spread out, the less people you have to really save you. There is no running back to chip and look for a, 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 a rusher coming through. It's no, you have five men in front of you. You understand who it is, especially when you're going five wide. You got to understand what's going on. You have to understand if a rush is going to come free, what you're going to do with it or with him, I should say. So it is going to put a lot on it. And T.C. Taylor, the former offensive coordinator, is going to be going to coaching wide receivers. This should be right up his alley, not just because he used to coach the tight end, so he's used to coaching pass catchers, but also because he says single-season records at his time at Jackson State. He was a Jackson State receiver back in the day. 84 catches, 100, or excuse me, 1,234 yards and 11 touchdowns in the senior year. Those are all single-season records at the time. So I think that they're in good in good hands. And I ended a, a, a segment with a quote last last episode. And I want to, I guess, end the show with a quote now. And this is what Barty said when he came in. You can expect us to score a lot of points. We're going to be prepared. And to put it simply, we're going to do things that makes the offense or that the defense doesn't like. We're going to play fast. And we're going to play super confident. And we're going to attack the defense. So if you wanted to know what you could expect from him, you're going to get a fast-paced offense that's going to do a lot of things that defenses aren't going to like. So we will see if if Coach Barty is all talk. We'll see what he learned from his time at the University of Nevada. And I'm excited. You know, it's a lot of uncertainty on that offense, a lot of uncertainty for a team that just won the SWAC. So I can't wait to see what it is. But I appreciate you guys going on this journey with me. Make it locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day every day y'all real ones for that i ain't gonna lie to you but for your second listen of the day make sure that you guys are checking out locked on bets it's free game for big games it's that simple free and available on all platforms your boy q and lee sterling is giving you analysis and insight to make you some money put some more money into your pocket it's that simple if you don't want to take it don't take it but i'm just telling you why i think it'll be a wise decision for you and that's to make them locked on bets your second listen of the day and y'all know where y'all can find me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter. Until the next time we catch each other, hit me up at South Exclusives. Peace.